Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Well, we got to start out today's show uh, with some sad news. And I'm sure you guys have heard about this because uh, anybody that's interested in See You on the Other Side was probably a big fan of this person when he was on the radio. And that is uh, the passing of paranormal radio legend Art Bell on Friday the 13th. So, uh, Wendy, I know that you were a Monster Art Bell fan, as was I. Yes, so many nights stayed up late listening to him. Absolutely. Like Art Bell was part of the family and he was introduction to a lot of the topics that we've talked about in the show. A lot of topics that I've been interested in my life. I remember. And we're currently working on a remembrance episode of some of our favorite episodes of Coast to Coast AM. And we'll have a longer show about that. But I just wanted to make sure that we mention it. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Yes, that, that was very sad news to wake up to. It was. So Saturday, so Friday night, we had our release party in Madison, the, the CD, The Wonders of the Invisible World, which is our, our collection of songs that we've written all for this podcast, See You on the Other Side. And so we had a celebration, and so everybody's in a good mood and stuff like that. And then, and then to wake up, and my phone was just full of different people yeah, saying, did you, did, you hear, did you hear about Art Bell uh, going away? And it just really was like, oh... Because uh, not only did it make me sad that, we, you know, as a human being, the, the human things, but then I felt really bad that we'll never get to interview him. I was like, oh, that was always you know, the kind of person you wanted to either work with or find a way to do something with. Yeah, that was always kind of the dream. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was part of the dream. So then yeah. uh, that's gone. But we'll elaborate on our feelings on that uh, next week in a special art belt. Definitely needed episode. a little extra time to prepare something of that uh, yeah. magnitude. <laughs> well, also, you know, it was kind of like when the Leonard Nimoy, when Leonard Nimoy passed away, you didn't just want to throw something out there and be like, okay, like this is a guy that was part of everybody's childhood and so much part of the, the paranormal community and the science yeah. fiction community. You didn't just want to be like, you didn't want to put half your butt in the process. And so we definitely... No. Want to make sure we give art the respect and the uh, attention it deserves. So look for that show yes. next week. Um, but we wanted to make sure to m- mention the elephant in the room. Right. At the beginning. On happier news. Yes. Mike, we survived. We survived Friday the 13th and our big release party. We did survive, barely. Really want to thank everybody who was out there because it was a blast. In spite of some weird rainy weather. Yeah. Still had a great turnout and people full of that good energy we love. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it, it really was a fun time, and so if you were at the show and it, maybe you hadn't heard the podcast and you're listening for the first time, well, welcome to the See You on the Other Side world. Um, thank you very much for coming out. And for anybody who's interested in picking up the copies of The Wonders of the Invisible World, you can just jump on sunspotuniverse.com because we keep the mailing list different. So jump on sunspotuniverse.com and you can take a look and you can see how you can get some of those Wonders of the Invisible World for yourself. Yeah, for sure. So we, we, we survived that just barely. Uh, Saturday, Saturday the 14th always makes me think of the movie. Did you ever see the movie Saturday the 14th? <laughs> no. Okay. It's like a horror movie parody that came out uh, in the early 80s. Maybe it was, maybe like 1980. Richard Benjamin, the star of the original Westworld, Ooh. is in it. So is, oh, the, the short uniform cop from Barney Miller. Oh, I can't remember his name, but... <clears throat> I'll always know him as the short uniform cop from Barney Miller. <laughs> okay. He always wanted to be a detective. So he's always up there hanging out with the detectives in, the, in there. And, and you know, uh, anyway, but Saturday the 14th was like a horror parody movie. And, you know, we're, we're going to be talking a lot a bit about uh, some kids stuff today because the topic leads to the idea of nightmares, the idea of night terrors. And that's something that happened to me a lot when I was a, a wee lad. Aww. I was the night terrors guy. Oh, that must have been scary for your parents. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. Uh, but part of it was that that I think there was there's a moment in Saturday the 14th, and I believe I saw it in the theater. I know I saw it in the theater, the old Southtown Theater on Highway 100 in West Dallas for you Wisconsiners. And there's a scene with the head in the fridge. And I, you know, I think it's I think it's the guy from Barney Miller whose head's in the fridge. I can't <laughs> quite remember. 
Maybe that's why you remember him so much. <laughs> right. But I do remember the head in the refrigerator and it scared the crap out of me. So that oh, was something that showed up. That was something that showed up in my nightmares. And and today the topic is night terrors. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Incubi, <laughs> succubi, that kind of stuff that happens when you fall asleep. And I know we, we've talked about, we danced around this before because we had a long conversation with the Gray Brothers who made the great movie, The Nightmare. Yes. And so we talked with them about it. And then we also talked with Martin Walsh, uh, who is, as far as English speaking, he is the expert on the Zanzibarian creature of nightmares, uh, the Popabawa. Yes. And and he was there during the Popabawa freakout in the 90s. Uh, but, you know, people were getting like shot at and stuff because they thought that the Popabawa could take human form. And that was the whole yeah. idea was this, the Popabawa was the same kind of succubus type creature who would sit and have sex with men while they were sleeping. I mean, against their will. And uh, so that's where kind of wanted to talk about incubi and succubi today. And, and let's, I mean, we should, let's talk about night terrors and the whole thing. Let's, let's start getting into it. Wendy, when's the first time you ever heard the word incubus? Probably when, <laughs> when the band became popular. All right. Okay. So that was the first <laughs> Along time. Along with lots of other people. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I'm sure I, I came across it in a, some kind of literature or <laughs> right. movie. No, there, there is a movie called Incubus and I believe William Shatner is in it. And we rented it, uh, yeah, 1965. I remember renting it from like the local the video store. That's when, remember you'd go, before even before Blockbuster, you'd go rent videos at like the local grocery store. I do. I remember there was one at um, Holiday Liquor. Ah, oh yeah. Liquor was the one where we would go to get our VHS cassettes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'd go to uh, the Century in Muskego. And I remember when I'd it's look at these movie titles you know the the covers of the vhs cassettes and there'd be certain ones because you're a little kid there'd be certain ones i just couldn't look at they wow, were just too scary that scary well yeah uh there was this one for this movie called the dead pit and <laughs> si- since then i've seen the dead pit a couple of times and it's uh horrible but the thing that made the dead pit legendary <laughs> was that there was like a zombie coming up from this you know this vault in the ground and it was it was a three-dimensional cover you know, so it was like the zombie was coming out cool. and they had little glowing eyes. That's fun. I mean, that was the fun thing about like Blockbuster or actual, you know, physical media rental mm-hmm. places. I always loved as a kid going Browsing. there, you know, and we'd run, my sister and I would run through the aisles and just select a movie purely based on what looked the coolest. And the, yeah. the horror movies always were the, really the fun ones to explore <laughs> in that respect. They had to get creative with their marketing because <laughs> you're did. trying to, and a lot of times the movies were made real cheap. And so the marketing on that cover was the only way that movie was going to make any money. Now, Incubus was made before the VHS boom, but that's where I saw we rented it because it had William Shatner. And it was a movie made in 1965 about William Shatner's an, an injured soldier. Oh, um, this sounds awesome. <laughs> and uh, it's in Esperanto, though. It's a horror film made entirely in Esperanto. And that's where? That's the world language. I'm sorry. So oh. so Esperanto, like in, and I don't know if I ever, if we've ever talked about Esperanto. It's just. Yeah, I don't it, know. They've I'm not const- familiar with it. They constructed it from all the languages or all over the world. It was made in the late 19th century. And it's almost a proto-hippie idea <laughs> of this. If we all spoke the same language, we could live in world peace. It was a Polish ophthalmologist, L.L. Zamenhof, and he wanted to make this language because th- he thought this idea that we could, we could have a language um, where if we all spoke it, we could live in peace together. People wouldn't, people wouldn't fight each other if they spoke Esperanto. And so there's about two million people that speak Esperanto around the world. Wow. William Shatner, who grew up in Montreal, is one of them. That's so cool. So, Totally didn't know that. And Incubus is a film that is shot in that wonderfully interesting language. He gets to utilize that skill. That's probably the one time he gets to utilize that skill. (laughs) It would be, you know, the thing is there's 2 million people across the world that speak Esperanto. And William Shatner probably would have been better served in his life if he learned Klingon. Like he'd probably have <laughs> so more con- he'd have more conversations in his regular life by right. learning Klingon in this language that 2 million people across the world. Um. <laughs> anyway. So Incubus is it's not really a good movie. 
Uh, but it does have some uh, some chills from the 1960s. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that term, though. And the idea of the incubus is a, is a spirit that visits women in the night and touch, you know, touches them in their naughties. Oh, boy. And so that's an incubus. The succubus is the, the female spirit that comes to men. So they're kind of related. And that's why we thought the name incubus for a band was weird. Yeah. Because it's like... We're the, we're the band that's going to come visit you in the middle of the night. We're the perverts that sneak in. <laughs> right. <laughs> like through the window. I mean, it's, as a concept, it's no different than calling your band demon or something like that. No, it's right. just It's a cool it's, word. It's a neat it's got, sounding word. Right. Anything with sexual connotations automatically. In, <laughs> so, well, it interjects some creepiness in there and in incubus. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, that was the idea. And, and But the thing is, these evil spirits who come and they do it with you in the middle of the night against your will... Uh, They've been around since the dawn of time. Now, at least stories have been around for the dawn mm, of time. Okay. So in, in Mesopotamian demonology, so we're going back several thousand years Ooh. here. And I, I guess that's what I mean by the dawn of time. Like, I don't know if cavemen had the same kind of experience where they woke up and they're like, oh, you know, like, what's going on or whatever. <laughs> but, um, and that's Well, they cavemen. might have, but maybe they just... They beat it with their club, slapped it with their clubs. <laughs> um so when I think of the dawn of time, I think of the dawn of recorded history, uh, Mesopotamia, Gilgamesh, stuff like that. And so they had their spirits called the Lilin, and the Lilin were hostile night spirits that attacked men. And since this was the, the Middle East, you know, a lot of different, uh, you know, demons from each other's culture, gods from each other's culture, they'd all get into it, you know, in the in the soup that was the the melting pot of the Middle East, the Mesopotamian ended up being in Hebrew mythology. So Lilith is a character we just talked about a couple episodes yes. ago, right. as you know that she was Adam's, Adam's first wife, mm. and then she was kicked out of the Garden even because she wouldn't be subservient to she him. Was a fierce, independent woman. Yes, and uh, you know they consider that some things consider her the mother of vampires but also the mother of uh, these incubi and succubi. She's the mother of the Lilin, her children. Also, the idea is that her husband was Cain, because he was another person cursed by God. Cain, uh, all right, if you guys don't remember, Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve, and they were both doing, Cain and Abel one time were doing a a little, uh, like a tribute to God. They were laying out some stuff for him, and Abel's tribute was way better than Cain's. And so God's like, sweet tribute, Abel, get back to work, Cain, or whatever. And then Cain got super jealous and killed his brother. Oh. And for that, he was cast out of paradise. And Seems reasonable. Yeah. You know, and cursed to walk the earth. So Cain, the father of vampires, Lilith, the mother of vampires, the mother of demonic creatures, these Lilin, her children, sneaking in your room, touching you in the middle of the night. So that goes all the way back in Hebrew mythology, all the way back several thousand years. And that's some of the, you know, some of the first places that, you know, they're talking about this. But then it's not just Hebrew mythology that has these creatures that sit on you. And, you know, when I think about the incubus, I always think about that famous painting, that demon sitting on that sleeping person. I'm going to link to it in the, in the show notes. But there is this incubus painting and let me see if I can find out who drew it. But it's just, oh, it's called The Nightmare. All right, well, there you go. It's called The Nightmare. It's a 1781 painting uh, by an English and Swiss artist named Henry Fuseli. Uh, no relation to his brother, Henry Musili, uh. who gave us that great mix of European oh, cereal. So good. grains. It shows a woman in deep sleep with her arms thrown below her and with a demonic and ape-like incubus crouched on her chest. And there's like a horse in the background. And so it was a huge success when it first came out in 782. The Royal Academy of London, that's where they showed it off. And it became so popular, even in the 18th century, they would parody it in like political cartoons. And there there was even an engraved version that was distributed widely. And also the painter, Henry Fusely, or I guess if he's Swiss... Henri Fuseli, like Fuseli, Fuseli. All right, I, I like know. that. Henri, Henri. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of things sound a lot cooler when they're said in French. <laughs> Particularly <laughs> my last name, when it's spoken in its native tongue, doesn't sound like Mike Puberty. It sounds like Michel Ubotti. 
which is a lot classier than sounding like uh, you're an adolescent or that you're that <laughs> adolescent awkward. So, you know, the nightmare is what a lot of people think when they think about that painting. The painting um, is terrifying. I'll give you that. Yeah. yeah well, I just love the Like the eyes yeah. on the eyes on the incubus are great. And on the horse, too. Yeah, because they're like bugging out. Right. <laughs> Super scary. <laughs> Those eyes be bugging. So that's yeah, a lot of that's a lot of fun. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess not. I guess not fun is the word I would use. But it's cool. You can see that he also did different versions of it, and yeah. from like different angles and everything. And so you know, think of one painting can kind of make your career take off. Like now, we hardly even think about painters. No. And back then, I mean, I, you didn't have TV, so if you were a visual artist, yeah, you, know, you didn't have movies. You, you couldn't make a movie like Incubus with William Shatner in 1781. So you had to. Uh, and, and you definitely couldn't make it in Esperanto because they didn't have Esperanto. <laughs> but you can make a cool movie. I mean, you can make a cool painting and then get famous for it. And so that's awesome that his nightmare painting, that I, I didn't realize that because I, I didn't look at the history before, that that painting kind of lit his career on fire. Huh. So, you know, people made poems based on it. You know, really. It inspired a lot. It inspired Probably a lot. Probably a lot of nightmares, too. Yeah, I would say. Lives up to its name. <laughs> well, I think The Nightmare, that's why they called that, the Gray Brothers called their movie The Nightmare. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I mean, it also fits into the topic generally. Oh, and they also think that Poe may have evoked The Nightmare in his short story, The Fall of the House of Usher. Wow. Which is, that's one of my favorite Edgar Allan Poe stories. Awesome. Uh, his narrator compares a painting hanging in Usher's house to a fusely work and reveals that an irrepressible tremor gradually pervaded my frame and at length there sat upon my heart an incubus of utterly causeless alarm. Uh, that story, that actually I saw that movie. Uh, they made a Fall of the House of Usher with one of the guys from the Planet of the Apes movies. And I saw, when I saw it when I was a kid, I was like, this movie's awesome. Riding with, there's a version of Roddy McDowell. And that was ended up being my entree into the entire Poe oeuvre. Wow. So that's cool that he has an incubus in there. But, I mean, this idea... So I'm a guy that's had a bad dream since I was little. You know, I, I would say, hmm, starting at about six years old, I remember waking up in the middle of the night and I heard the heat in our house. Uh, the pipes, the as the as, as the the heat moved through the pipes, it would bang, and it would, sometimes it would bang so loud. And we're speaking on a snowy Wisconsin day in April, so we're in Wisconsin where it gets cold and snowy, and the house wasn't even that old, <laughs> but as the heat passed through the pipes, it would bang. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night one time, and it would sound like somebody was in the house, and nobody was in the house, but there was a bang, you know, there was banging all over the house. So we'd get so loud, there'd be banging over the house. And it terrified me. I thought yeah. somebody was in the house, just hid behind my, I remember getting up and sitting behind my door, and like my back against the door, so somebody couldn't just, because there's no lock on my door. My parents knew better than to give me a lock on my door, even when I was seven years smart, old. Smart, very smart. Uh, right. And so then I just sat my back against it, like terrified. And then uh, that probably started a, a series of like a long time where I was scared to wake up in the middle of the night because there would always be scary noises. And then I would have nightmares. And we, we, covered, this, we covered this in the Lucid Dreaming episode. But usually it was zombie nightmares, Night of Living Dead, yeah. got me. So I would wake up, I'd say zombie nightmares three times a week. Wow. At least, probably at least. Probably send me running. One time I remember waking up in the middle of the night, I was like screaming inside like the hallway uh, and everybody's like, oh my God, is everything okay? And then I like open my eyes. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like standing in the middle of the hallway screaming. You know, and I just can't help but think about your parents and sister and how scary that must have been because I know people with kids that have night terrors and it's just, you wake up the kids freaking out you know, or they'll be like, <laughs> right. look at that. There's somebody standing right there, you know, and they're just dreaming it. I mean, that, <laughs> that's Yeah, so that's scary. something else. That is super scary. And I think about that, you know, I was thinking about that when I was thinking about my daughter and, and if she got scared or sometimes I hear her yeah. cry in the middle of the night, just a minute. And I'm like, oh, I hope she didn't have a scary dream. Yeah, right. I know, exactly. I know exactly how that feels. So there was really a long time when I did not like going to sleep whatsoever. I would have still stay up as, as long as I could. I'd read as long as I could until I just, because I really worried about waking up in the middle of the night. And I'm still, I'm kind of, I'm comfortable with my nightmares now. I haven't had a really bad nightmare that shook me for a long time, but I'd say it's, most of the time when I dream, it's something horrific. That's terrible. Do you think maybe you just remember the bad ones, though? 
That's true. Because they're traumatizing, so they somehow stay in your mind. Now I know how to wake myself up. Yeah, that's good. So, like, something, something like, I'm like, boy, this is terrible. And usually when a UFO shows up or, like, you know, there's a war on or something like that, I realize that I'm dreaming. Right. (laughs) And so I can either move it into lucid and change the subject. And that usually they can last for a couple. I'm like, oh, this is horrible. And then I'm like, wait. Like Doctor Who monsters aren't in real life, so this is, must be a dream. So then you just move it like then I'm like, I better change the subject, or I'll be like, I better awake before this gets too scary. So then I'll do that, sure. And then it's not too bad. It's only when I'm having a nightmare about something that's kind of real, like if somebody dies or whatever. Oh boy! Or like in your dream, when you dream about somebody, like one of your friends dying, your parents dying, or something like that. That's the time because that anything that's plausible, right? Since I don't, I don't realize because it's not, it's not obvious that it's fiction. <laughs> Right. When we're living inside an underground bunker and there's zombies upstairs trying to break in, that's when I realize this is the plot of a movie and not real life. But when somebody, you know, dies in your dream, you're like, oh, that's horrible. That's then you're actually feeling it because it's 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 more real. So I used to think it was just me that had crazy bad dreams and all the night terrors and stuff like oh, that. Oh, you're not looking- alone, Mike. Looking throughout history, it seems they've been, you know, people have been thinking about creatures and monsters giving them nightmares. And I don't know if it's symbolic or whether they actually believed it uh, over time. And we'll talk about some of these creatures and then we'll talk a little bit about sleep paralysis. Because they are related in a certain kind of way because people have had beliefs over time that it's these monsters sneaking in. I mean, that's the term nightmare is the idea. So mare, term for horse, right? It's that horse in the painting. It is, but here's the thing. and he, I'm, I'm just learning this now as I'm looking up. Uh, there is a horse in the painting, but Mara, where the term nightmare comes from, Mara is the, the Anglo-Saxon and Norse term for the demon that's set on their chests. Oh, wow. So it doesn't so, have to do with a horse. Right. So that horse in the room is just because he's trying to make it extra scary because he wants a horse with buggy eyes looking at you. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, he's, it literally, that's literally crazy horse. He succeeded. <laughs> it's like Mr. Ed ate some bad peanut butter or something. <laughs> Wilbur. <laughs> so when these creatures create the dream for you, that's when it's the nightmare. That's when they, they sneak in. And, uh, and there's different creatures throughout time who would cause these bad dreams for you. Uh, in Germany, Deutschland, uh, the Alp is uh, the demonic being that presses upon sleeping people so they cannot utter a sound. And these attacks are called Abdrücke. Gesundheit. <laughs> right. And there's one story about a, a girl said that the Alp came in through her keyhole and she wasn't able to call for help. Uh, later, she therefore asked her sister to call out her name in the night and then the Alp would go back out to the keyhole. So if her, you know, she she woke up scared, and her sister saw her. If her sister called her name, that would kind of end the nightmare for her. Hmm. Oh, there's a certain area in Zwickau. They claim that the Alp will go away if you invite him for coffee in the morning. Oh, that's nice. So if you say, "Hey, buddy, come on back for coffee tomorrow morning, so you don't have to sit on my chest and scare the crap out of me," <laughs> then he'll go away. Uh, the Alp can crush people to death. So if uh, if young geese are placed in a pink pen and then die, it's said that the Alp crushed them to death. Uh, if rabbits die and it looks like they've been crushed, um, you're supposed to put a broom in the little rabbit pen, and that will protect them from the Alp. Huh. I don't know what that's about. Like if the you know the Alp just isn't like cleaning, or he sees the broom <laughs> out and he's like, you think you think I am going to clean up the pink? Forget it. So you protect yourself against the Alp. You can protect your rabbits with a broom. But uh, you can stop up the keyhole is one way. So if, the Alp, if you don't want the Alp to come to the keyhole, you got to put some cotton or something in it. And actually, that's interesting. The German tradition of coming to the keyhole is that's how St. Nick came to that's our house. That's right. So St. Nick comes to the keyhole, and but that's only on St. Nick's Day. So if you see somebody else coming to the keyhole and it's Look not St. Nick's Day, yeah. right, it's an Alp. So you you better have coffee in the morning ready for this guy. So you can place one's shoes with the toes facing the door or getting into bed backwards can protect yourself from a more trident, a mare ride, a ride on the nightmare. You can put something made of steel in your bed straw. Okay. 
I haven't heard that about steel before. I've only heard that about iron. That iron is supposed to be something. Yeah, that's right. Something that paranormal creatures don't like. But they're not too far from each other. Really, no. When it comes down to it. Uh, a person suffering from nightmares. Here's, an, here's another idea for you. If you urinate into a clean new bottle, hang the bottle in the sun for three days, carry it without saying a word to a running stream, and then throw it over one's head into the stream, that's supposed to help against nightmares too. Wow. Make sure the lid is on tight when you do that. Right. So when you're going to the stream by being very quiet and you have your bottle of urine and you um, throw it over, you got to throw it over your head. I don't know if you're supposed to like throw it over, like unscrew the bottle or just throw the whole bottle in there. Oh. I, I oh. feel like you should unscrew the bottle because yeah. otherwise... You're polluting. Yeah. Hey, and we're a green podcast. No, I would not encourage throwing bottles into rivers ever. <laughs> right. No. We see what happens with the plastic and the fishes. It's horrible. Or it the is. who gets strangled? Is it the fishes that get strangled? You know, they say if you put this plastic six packs from Coke cans or whatever. Yeah, like, I think it's various creatures. They don't have right. to be fish. They could be, you know, lobsters. Like, or like um, otters, maybe. Otters gonna get strangled. Or, <laughs> or birds. Or SpongeBob. Or yeah, Patrick. Don't forget about him. <laughs> That's right. If you want to keep SpongeBob and Patrick safe, then make sure you do not do that. So that's those are some examples in Germany. And, you know, they'll talk about that in northern Germany, it's Mert. And uh, so that can be a masculine or feminine in huh. in northern Germany. Some places believe that. Now the thing is, before there was a Germany, right? There was just all these different little kingdoms and fiefdoms in the area. So Germany is kind of like a 19th century creation in itself. So we're talking about these different areas. I realize there's no medieval Germany. Like you can be like, well, it didn't even get created till Prussia. And then I know I get it. <laughs> so yeah, if, if a person's eyebrows growing together, they might be a succubus kind oh, of thing. Oh, Bert. That's an, yeah. <laughs> so if your eyebrows are a little too close, make sure you shave them or whatever, or <laughs> you might be a succubus. No, an incubus. Oh you might be my incubus. gosh. That's the bearded lady from uh, The Greatest Showman. Oh, I haven't seen The Greatest Showman yet. She had the unibrow. She, she had a unibrow, okay. Or or Frida Kaler or whatever from that, that Frida movie. When, um, so she's got brows. Anyway, watch out if you see her sitting on your chest. <laughs> you know. Also, now they can be an incubus or a succubus, the same kind of person with the with the brows grown together, but only if they're born on a Sunday. And if they are pressing against you, sitting on you, wake up and they're there, you should say that you want to give them something and then they'll come the next day to get it. Oh, so they're gonna come back? That's another tradition. So they'll go away. Yeah. And they'll come by the next day and pick it up. So I think it's interesting here that some of these traditions, when you're having the nightmare, when something's sitting on you, when the incubus or succubus arrives, what you should do is offer them something so they'll go away. Offer them coffee. Yeah. You know, offer them something like that. So the Germans had a charm against nightmares. So here's a little, here's a little prayer they said. I lay me here to sleep. No nightmare shall plague me until they swim all the You know what? This is German, so I'm doing it wrong. Here, I have the actual German here, but I should be saying it like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I lay me here to sleep. No nightmare shall plague me until they swim all the waters that flow upon the earth and count all the stars that appear in the firmament. Thus help me God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. That was a fantastic prayer. Nicely done. Danke. <laughs> He's not even so, German, though. He's Austrian, but he spoke German, and he still has that mm. accent. Okay. So I feel like whenever we do something in German, if we're not going to actually speak German, it needs to have the, the accent. And Arnold hasn't been out in like no, 100 right. podcasts. It does give it a certain uh, kind of yeah, the, 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 certain German, when you do that. Yeah. German authenticity <laughs> makes it very real. They're also, oh, this is an interesting one. Uh, so you get to the Shetland Islands. And the Shetland Islands, I believe, are islands off of the big British island. Yeah, but it's a subarctic archipelago of Scotland that Ooh. lies northeast of Great Britain. So Shetland Islands. 80 kilometers to northeast of Orkney and 168 kilometers from the Scottish mainland. So in the Shetland Islands, they have a little poem they said to Arthur Knight. He raid a knight with open sword and candlelight. Wait, that was the Scottish one? Yes. Because I didn't hear any kind of Scottish accent on that. <laughs> it didn't. Arthur Knight, he read a knight with open sword and candlelight. He sought the mare, he found the mare, he bond the mare with her on hair. 
and made the mare to swear at she never should bite a knight where she heard, oh, Arthur Knight. Thank you. Oh, I felt at that time to my core. Good. Good. All right. But I like that was a King Arthur. That is so a King really Arthur. Cool. So King Arthur fights. King Arthur fights the nightmare, eh? And you've got the Scotland mug. I do. I'm drinking from my Nessie mug that you brought me. Oh, that's right. So, so long ago. <laughs> I got to get back to Loch Ness. Hey, there was a Loch Ness sighting this weekend. What? Yeah, uh, Lauren Coleman tweeted about it. He said there might be a picture. So we're going to look into that. If there's a new Loch Ness oh my picture, gosh. then we'll, have to, we'll do a Loch Ness episode. That's an up. awesome tangent. That also reminds me that I had a cup of coffee that's sitting in my Keurig right now. Well, that's not a good place for it. Maybe one of the uh, little, what are they called? Mort? The Mares, the Maras. The, yeah, the, the, the Mort in, the, in northern Germany. Maybe Mort is going to take your coffee, but then I'll leave you alone. Yeah, so I wanted to worry about it. Um, Japan... Uh, their evil dreams are supposed to be a result of evil spirits. And their supernatural creature is called Baku, the eater of dreams. So in, in Japan, uh, it's a mingling of various animals. The face of a lion, the body of a horse, the tail of a cow, the forelock of a rhinoceros, and the feet of a tiger. You know, I don't even know what a forelock is. I don't know either. I'm guessing maybe it's like the horn. It's a lock of hair growing just above the forehead. Yeah. So, okay. it lo- I mean, lock of hair, I get it. And so or lock. It's, it's a part of a horse's mane that grows from the animal's pole and falls forward between the ears and onto the forehead. Mm-mm. It's you know, that's, in- that's interesting that their creature, their eater of dreams, the Baku, has a forelock because the Misfits, Glenn Danzig's band, that was their famous thing. They would grease their hair up oh, yeah. to, up. you know, they, had the, they called it the devil lock. <laughs> and so they would grease their hair up to make it look kind of like a horn that would fall over their forehead. So the forelock featured in the Baku and also the Misfits. So, ooh, when a Japanese present awaits from an evil nightmare, he cries, devour, oh Baku, devour my evil dream. And they had a picture of Baku uh, hung up in their houses. Its name was written upon pillows. And so if Baku eats your horrible dream, it can switch it to good fortune. Oh, that's useful. Yeah. I think that's nice. (laughs) It is nice. I mean, not, not super nice, but it's it's nice enough that there is something for what happens yeah. if you have some kind of evil dream. And boy, I used to have them. Mm. You could have used that. You know, what's funny, though, is, you know, I don't know if this is funny, but we're talking about some old stuff, like, you know, offering the Mert coffee, having Baku eat your evil dream. But there's a lot of people in today's world who still believe that incubi, succubi, that uh, wet dreams, nocturnal emissions... Speaking of puberty. Okay, just going right there now, huh? There, well, we're running out of time here. We got to make sure we get to all the, 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 quote, un, the quote unquote good wow. stuff. Um, but those beliefs that those things are caused by, uh, instead of it just being a natural function of puberty and growing up, those things are caused by demons. So if that happens to you, it's because there's a succubus coming to you. And I just, I'm looking on LinkedIn. And this, this pastor, Samuel Williams from the Bible Way Church, he's got a whole thing on night demons and the cause of, of wet dreams and, and things like that that happen. So that's God trying to mess with you. Huh. I'm, I'm sorry. That's not God. I was like, what? That's the, it's, the, it's the devil messing with you in the middle of the night. It's demons coming to you in the middle of the night. You know, incubi and succubi are all over um, medieval demonologies and stuff like that. And they actually believed that succubi could get the seed of a man handed off to the incubi who would then implant it in the woman. And then some stillborn children and stuff like that were the result of demonic activity. So that's kind of the way they explained man, oh man. tragedy yeah. is a little bit that, that it was because of, uh, of demonic activity. But in, in today's world, things you have to watch out for, lust is a desire for a legal pleasure. And the more you lust, the more chance that a, a succubi or an incubi can come visit you in the middle oh of the night. Oh, boy. So let's look at some, as he says, some common but often overlooked and not understood doors for night demons. Fornication. Uh-oh. You knew it was coming. Yep. And, and he defines it as a word that can cover any type of perversion, including adultery, incest, homosexuality, etc. Remember, he's a religious guy. You relinquish your authority over sexual lust when you willfully involve yourself with sexual perversion. Touching yourself. It's gonna be that's gonna be a thing. 
in night demons could come because you can become a slave to sin by touching yourself. And if you're touching yourself and you're looking at pornography, well, forget about it. That's that you might as well hold the door open for night demons to show up. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness cuts you off from God's grace and therefore is ultimate protection. Bitterness gives access to every demon of hell to invade your temple and your life. You know, I think that's true. Hmm. This is this is the one part I agree with. It's good to forgive people. Yeah. It's good to forgive yourself. And it's good not to be bitter. Definitely. Because when you're bitter, you forget that a lot of things in the world, and I have to remind myself of this all the time, a lot of things in the world are good. <laughs> and, remi- and a lot of things in your world are good, no matter what. I guess if you're having night demons visit you, but the night demons used to visit me. And you survived it okay? Yeah. So I'm not going to be bitter about it. Fear and doubt opens your life to the night demons. Witchcraft Uh will open it. So many manifestations of witchcraft that are overlooked, such as astrology, superstitions, chain letters. What? And the charms that we had in our Wonders of the Invisible World swag bags for the VIPs (laughs) that came to the show, they certainly had some little bit of witchcraft. Oh, boy. But it was only white witchcraft. Yeah, it's the good stuff. And I hate... (laughs) To say like it was only good magic, we should say that. Like white witchcraft is a weird connotation to oh, it. Yeah. But it was only uh, only happy magic that we're interested in. Uh, if you get molested, that can be something. Night demons can come after that. Mm, that's not fair. Yeah, right. Because you didn't. Nobody. I mean, if they got molested, you didn't. You ask already for it. had to go through that. Abuse, emotional wounds. If your soul is tied to something, to a place. It causes you to be spiritually weak. And if that's subject to sexual perversion or fear, now you have an open door. You have an open door for night demons. So do not tie your soul wow. to a place or especially a perversion. So that's the guy. That is modern. I mean, modern people. This is from 2016. The modern world. He's doing a long LinkedIn post. And there's people like saying, yeah, right on. This is very powerful. Thank you, Pastor. So, <laughs> I mean, people are still believing us. Uh, here's another one. Prayer against the sexual demons of the night. What? Yeah, this is from the Lighthouse Church okay. in Wyoming, Delaware, and they have a whole, and I, I can't go through everything here, but let's just say it starts off, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent on behalf of myself and those in my family line who had sexual relations with evil spirits, familiar spirits, with incubus, succubus spirits, and the demon mare. <laughs> I renounce and break any covenants or dedications to the Nephilim, Baal, or Belial. First of all, you're apologizing for your family line giving some kind of covenant with ball. Like, how do you even know if they have a covenant with Belial or whatever? Right. Um, I repent for anyone in my family line who's had connections, ties, packs, or allegiance to the harlot spirit and the queen of heaven. I repent for all who participated in any fertility rites or rituals and who sacrificed, worshipped, danced before, or gave offerings to any gods or goddesses. So, any pagans in your family, got to apologize it for. Not just you, but the pagans. Here's an interesting thing. This is this, I've never heard this term before, uh, looking at this particular prayer against the sexual demons of the night. <laughs> I repent of every contact, personal and generational, with all night husbands and night wives. And I renounce all night husbands and night wives which have been assigned to function specifically within my family. So what is a night husband or what is a night wife? Oh boy, I don't know. A night husband or a night wife is somebody that you have sex with in your dream. So that's, uh, you have to apologize for that. So you're apologizing for that. And there's like 50 things to apologize for that you repent on through this particular prayer. And you're basically apologizing for everything you've ever done in your life and everything your parents have ever done. Anytime the fornication, adultery, incest, orgies, sodomy, homosexuality, <laughs> oh sexual addiction, Pornography, rape, abuse, ungodly masturbation, lust and fantasy lust, and any ungodly sexual contact with other people, any bestiality, all sexual aversion, and of course, sex for money. So another thing, if you are worried about the demons of the night, people have prayers for you and that kind of thing. But if you actually are having sleep paralysis, and maybe, you know, they they talk about the old hag in Canada, the old hag syndrome, and people have the old woman sitting on their chest. And there's in Southeast Asia, there's another one. And the thing is, we have all of these different spiritual traditions about sleep paralysis, about dreaming and waking, but what actually is happening in our brains, you know? Yeah. I have to say, I discovered something when I was researching this podcast that I did not know before. Mm. 
And so he wrote a song called Hypnagogic about the place between dreaming and waking. And it was kind of, it's, it's about this subject. And the song's called Hypnagogic. And Hypnagogic is when you are between waking and sleeping. So it's while you're falling asleep. Hypnopompic is while you are waking up. Okay. So hypnagogic is going into sleep. Ah, Hypnopompic is waking up. And I thought that they were interchangeable. Interesting. Yeah. So when I had my hypnopompic trance, my, my sleep visitor, I was 12 years old still. Yep, not quite yet, 13. And I had just read the book Communion. And there was like a weird... So as I was falling asleep, I think somebody backed into our driveway. So there were some weird lights against my window. Uh-oh. And, and so I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's freaky. I wonder what those weird lights are. Oh, and the boy. first thing I thought of was the book Communion, which yeah. I just finished reading. And then I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I saw like nine white faces surrounding me. And white, I just don't mean your pale, pink, usual Polak like me. I mean like like white, white. Like not... I mean, painted white. Like looking at a white like face. Snow white. And, yeah, and they were oh yeah, and the, she was with her eight dwarves. I was just gonna say no, but I saw these white faces, and I kind of saw they're attached to some bodies, but they looked like aliens, and they were all surrounding me, and I couldn't move. That's so scary, Mike. Yeah, and this is like maybe three days before seventh grade started too. So <sighs> there was all that idea of going to a new school and all the stuff associated with my life changing, in a big way. Yeah, and so I just woke up and I. I uh, I freaked out, man. I don't blame I freaked, you. I mean... Because I was surrounded by aliens. And you couldn't move, so you couldn't even really freak out. You were freaking out in your mind, but you couldn't like get up and run away right. or something. And so that would be what we call a hypnopompic trance. In that it's that sp- between dreaming and waking. And so when we called our song Hypnagogic, it was wrong. The first <laughs> line of the song is, I wake up in the night, still asleep but paralyzed... Well, th- there you go. Oh, yeah. A waking uh, dream of my invention, right? Right. It's it, Yeah. It should be hypnopompic, not hypnagogic. Well, you but know. It's, maybe it's we'll, too late. To, we'll have to reissue the song, maybe. <laughs> we'll have to reissue the song. If we re-record it, we'll change the name of it. <laughs> For the live performance, we can change it. Yes. But now I feel silly. <laughs> because they don't, we don't even say hypnagogic in the song. That's just the name of the song. Well, let's just put it out there. We released it, what, nine years ago? And yeah, not a single person has called you out on your error. So so either nobody else knows or nobody's listening. <laughs> or they're too polite to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, oh, we don't want to make him feel stupid. <sighs> he used a big word. So that's, I mean, sleep paralysis. I mean, you're waking up and you are hallucinating. And, and that's, that's what's happening. And, you know, there's been research done into this. There's the... Uh, there's the areas of your brain that are being activated. And one thing is like when you're in a dream, you're talking to other people, you're hanging out with other people. They do things you don't expect, right? right? Like you yep. can't predict what they expect. Well, that's because your brain's cutting off that part of you that makes you feel separate from others, that gives you their individuality, that gives you your individuality. So in your dream, that's cut off a little bit because uh. your brain cuts that off as part of the dreaming process. Huh. Like I say, so... My 18-month-old is currently understanding what mine means, yours. So she'll go through the thing of dinner or whatever. She'll be daddy's plate, mommy's plate, Addie's plate. Mine, mine, mine. So she's getting that I am not her, she's not me, that we're different people. That's a part of your brain that develops. So when you're sleeping, it's cut off so that when you're having dreams, you know, it, well, it's kind of like the area of speech and stuff like that, Broca's area. Yeah. It's where all of our speech is coming through. When that area is damaged, you can't talk right. And... It also messes with it. Um, so if somebody, when somebody's schizophrenic and they say they're hearing voices, they were doing research to see if those people actually were hearing voices. Is there a receiver in their head? But they found that when they were having a schizophrenic break and hearing a voice, what was happening was their Broca's area was going off. They just didn't know it was theirs. Oh, so it's their oh. speech that was happening, but they didn't know Couldn't it was theirs. So that, and that's part of what happens when you are in sleep paralysis. So that's why it feels so real. Mm-hmm. And that's also why it feels like it's somebody else, <sighs> which is what makes it terrifying yeah. because there's somebody sitting on you. There's, you know, your, your breath is short and, and you're scared and you feel the pressure. Or you see a shadowy figure entering your room or sitting outside the window, or you see nine alien yeah. faces yeah. surrounding your, you know, surrounding Or in my thing. case, you see long tendrils hanging from the ceiling oh, over yeah. your face. Yeah. There was a great story, in my family at least, that um, 
my father had had a night terror once uh, with my mother. And so this is shortly after they were married. And they, I think this may have been while they were having our house built in Big Ben, but they were living right across the street from a cemetery. Ooh, fun. And so it was always a little spooky anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but one night, my father wakes up in the middle of the night and starts screaming and batting his hands oh, above no. my mother and saying saying that the fa- there's a phantom above her. Oh, so he kept seeing a phantom above her. He was trying to protect her. And this lasted for like a you know a few seconds or whatever. He's doing it. The phantom. You got to get this phantom away. She wakes up freaking out. Yeah. He he falls right back asleep. Oh, he didn't no. even know. He didn't even wake up. He just wakes up, freaks out, bats his hands at the screams about the phantom, and then just that is scary. <laughs> right back oh. to sleep. Your poor mother. And, How did she fall back right. asleep after that? No, she didn't. Oh, she had to wake him up. And be like, "What's going on?" He's like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> phantom? I don't know what you mean." Wow. Yeah. So, well, we were just talking about how your brain is making your body feel that it's, you know, it's separate from the things, the people it sees inside its own brain. It's not just the other creatures that it it considers separate. It's your actual body movements. So there's another thing too, where, you know, in your dreams, you can walk around, you can feel like you were flying, you can do whatever you want, and it feels like you're actually doing it. Well, that's because this uh, vestibular motor disorientation happens. And so we have a map inside of our brain of our bodies. There's an area that shows like a map. And when you touch pieces of the map, think about the operation board. Let's say we're playing operation, right? <laughs> Scariest game ever. So Yeah. So, so when you're playing operation, there's a map of the human body. And the neurons connected to your hand or when you're sending instructions and stuff like that to your hand. This is a very simple process. I'm not a behavioral neuroscientist, whatever. Just, um, <laughs> I, have not, I have not gone beyond a bachelor's level in <laughs> psychology. Uh, but so you're playing operation, you see that map. And let's say every time you felt something in your hand, it had to come to the map first to tell your brain it was your hand where it was touched. Okay. okay. And then when you're sending, you're sending instructions to the hand, it goes through the map. First, so this is area of our of our brain. Yeah. Okay. And it's distinctly connected to our arms, so that I'm moving my hand around right now and I can feel it. Or if something touches my hand, it can feel it. Goes to the map, which tells my brain, "Hey, where did you know where were you touched?" All right. So when you're dreaming, however, that's another thing. Your map is no longer connected to your hands. Your map's no longer connected to those body parts. And part of the reason they realize that this might be part of sleep paralysis. And that, like, we feel pressure on our chest. We feel things that aren't there. It's because, like, parts of the map are getting activated, but there's nothing actually happening. Oh, wow. So, and our, our brains are causing that to happen. <laughs> and so, that's like phantom limb pain. So, if you guys know what phantom limb pain is, somebody loses their arm or their leg or things, oftentimes they can still feel that. They can still feel their arm. They can still feel their leg. And it's called phantom limb because there's no, there's no limb there. Right. A lot of times, they'll, they'll feel pain in that area. And how can you feel pain in an area that doesn't exist? There's no, there's no new stimuli coming in. Well, it's because the map inside you the, of your body is being activated. One of the theories of phantom limb pain in particular is that because the, let's say you lose your hand, the area where your hand is, where your brain, you know, thinks about where to communicate with your hand, the cells around it start growing bigger because there's no act, there's no activity happening in the hand area. So as the cells around it start growing bigger because they're not being impeded by the growth of the other cells, yeah. they start touching those original cells. Huh. They start touching the cells of your hand. So, so that's why you start feeling phantom limping. The receivers are getting messages that are kind of like trick messages. Absolutely, you're getting trick messages. That's happening. Your brain is sending trick messages to receivers when you're sleeping. You feel like you're walking around and you're just laying in bed. Mm-hmm. When you feel like you're flying and just laying in bed, that's what your brain is doing. And in sleep paralysis... Then they they also say that this might be an explanation for out of body experience. Cool, because you feel your body moving around, but you haven't left anything. Yeah. So you can't move. You're having a hallucination, and you know it's terrifying. Number one, you feel that. So he's got a, a little treatment that he's doing for people that come through sleep paralysis. And let's see if I can. Uh, it's another one of these names that I cannot pronounce. Great. His name is Blonde Jalal. <laughs> And he's a researcher that's really gotten into trying to figure out more about sleep paralysis. And his mentor is uh, Villianor S. Ramachandran, who is the director of the Center for Brain and Cognition at the University of California, San Diego. And they started to work on sleep paralysis as more than just a cultural phenomenon, but like what's actually happening inside your body. So, you know, they were working that, like, they were using that research in a phantom limb phenomenon to help explain why people can't move, but they still feel things. But then they started working on a treatment. 
okay? And so the idea is that you're, you're trying to think of a therapy or something you can use to make you feel better when something's actually happening. So when you wake up in the middle of the night and see nine white alien faces surrounding you, then what can you do? Number one, offer them a cup of coffee. <laughs> so nice. It's just such a simple thing. Right. <laughs> he calls it the meditation relaxation therapy. And it's almost like the mind-body connection. You know, the, the think good thoughts kind of thing. Okay. But this is what they've been trying to do to, to tell people if you have Because some people, like I had this, I only had sleep paralysis once or twice. I had nightmares constantly. But the actual sleep paralysis where I woke up, I only had that once mm. or twice that I can really remember. I only slept walk one time. And that was just out in the hallway. I didn't do anything like, you know, like drive away in the car. Thankfully. Like <laughs> yes. But some people have these sleep paralysis nightmares several times a week. And so for them, they need something. They need to have the Keurig for the, for the nightmare. Yeah. And so here's how we defeat the dark figures. This is from a, an article about this researcher. Number one, reappraise the meaning of the attack. So sleepers need to remind themselves that sleep paralysis attacks are common, benign, and temporary. And despite what their culture might think, these hallucinations are a product of their REM brain activity. They remind themselves to keep their eyes closed, stay calm, and don't move. Don't struggle. The more you struggle, the worse it's going to make it. It's like a Chinese finger puzzle. <laughs> okay, yeah. The more you struggle, the Chinese finger puzzle, the, the, uh, uh, the worse it's going to be. Emotional and psychological distancing. That's the next step. Sleepers need to remind themselves that because the attack is common, benign, temporary, they shouldn't be scared. Fear only makes it worse and possibly longer. Hmm. Because the more afraid you get, we have obviously we have a physical response to fear. The more afraid you get, the more afraid you will get. That's terrible, though, because it's like saying, don't be scared, you know? Right. Don't be scared, <laughs> because the, wor the more scared you are, the worse right. it's going to be. And that's, and that's the problem. I mean, that's the problem with fear, that that escalation of fear might be important when we're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, but when we're dealing with something only in our heads, like sleep paralysis, um, that escalation only serves to, you know, it, well, it's, think about how people are worried about public speaking. People are nervous about public speaking. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, there is cancer in the world. There is nightmares. There is war. There's all this stuff, and you know, it's all in our heads. That kind of thing, and the fear escalation, where somebody can have a fear about public speaking more than they fear doing something really dangerous. It just goes to show that fear is great in the jungle. It's not as great out here. <laughs> Number three, meditate. Focus your attention inward. Think about a strong and emotionally positive internal object, a thought. So think happy thoughts, go to your happy place, such as, such as a memory of a loved one or a happy moment, or a comforting prayer, like the prayers we were talking about before. Maybe not the prayer where you repent every time you looked at a skin mag or whatever, <laughs> or, uh, you know. Maybe not that prayer because it's way too long and it's way too detailed, but maybe a simple prayer of protection kind of thing or say to, you know, the, the rosary, the collection of prayers, go to that in your head. If you're scared. Number four is muscle relaxation. While practicing inward focusing meditation, sleepers relax rather than flex their muscles. Avoid controlling your breathing and don't move. That's a big one. You feel some pressure on your chest. You know, don't try to control your breathing. Huh. That, again, seems very difficult advice to follow. Right. But nobody says it's easy when you're fighting off sleep paralysis here. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. If it was easy, they would have figured this out 2,000 years ago instead of just offering it coffee. <laughs> but the idea is that the more you realize this is in your head, the more it reduces the panic and over time. So the thing is, if you're a person that this happens to you regularly, the thought is, is that if you start to develop this practice of not freaking out, relax your muscles, think happy thoughts, and remember that Fear is the mind killer in this instance. Over time, you'll eventually develop that way to defend yourself against sleep paralysis. Okay. Well, that's so, good to know. Got some work yeah. to do. <laughs> yes, we all do. <laughs> we all do. So that's just, just some ideas about sleep paralysis. Hopefully, just the thought of it will make you have it tonight. But if you do have it, remember, just go to your happy place and nothing's going to happen to you. I mean, and then we say this and then somebody actually does get like their house broken oh, into no. or whatever. Oh, but if you find if you wake up and you can move... Then it's not sleep paralysis. Right. It's actually alien abduction. Right. In which case, please let us know how it went. Yes. Well, I mean, they and they use sleep paralysis and incubi and succubi 
to do to explain a whole bunch of different things. I mean, alien abduction obviously is a big one <laughs> about this. I mean, that was what my hypnopompic trance yeah. entailed was that. And uh, you know, there's fairy stories and things like that of what happens. And uh, because a lot of people have sex dreams, you know, they will, might be associated then with these nightmares or whatever after they're happening. Or, you know, so, and then people associate with the, the whole idea of being you know, raped by a demon or impregnated, uh, you know, by an alien or something evil. I mean, think about how much that's part of the alien yes. lore in its own yeah. right. The alien abduction lore is the idea that the aliens came to you, it took you to a place, they put something in you, and then they took it out. You know, they, they the alien hybrid babies was huge in alien abduction lore. In the 90s. Or even just implanting something. Mm-hmm. Ship. Like putting something in you. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a documentary on Netflix called Patient 17 that talks about the implanting. We'll, we'll probably do a sh- full show. Up. We can do a full show about that sometime. But it really gets into the, the, the alien thing. So anyway, I hope everybody learned something about sleep paralysis today. Yeah, I did. I learned a lot about it. And I hope it doesn't happen to me again anytime soon. But if it does, now I know what to uh, attempt to do to stab it off. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. Well, the song for this week was kind of inspired by a succubus. <laughs> no, it's just uh, when, when somebody drives you to the point in a relationship where you just want to turn them off and you just can't be a good guy anymore, a good person, and then you just have to resort to extreme measures to deal with extreme people. That's what this song's about. And this is Sunspot with Goodbye, Good Guy. Sometimes the strength in me builds up But fails me when you cry I'm not a heartless bastard But you've driven me to dispossession I wanted things this way I thought was never left unsaid But if Pinocchio High enough will grow As you scream at the back of my head I'm 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. We have another hangout coming up, Mike, and we have so much to talk about, and it's it's just been uh, collecting and collecting, and I'm really excited to talk to everybody about it, all of our Patreon community members. Yes, we have, we have, there's a ton of stuff to talk about because we've been on a ton of adventures, and I'm sure everybody out there has been doing yes. cool things too. So that's going to happen on Wednesday, April 25th at 7 o'clock Central Time. So please mark your calendar, Patreon members, because we'd love to have you included in that. And if you're not a Patreon member yet... Oh, you should try it. Yes, this this could be your chance to become part of the group and we can all hang out together because what we want to do is tell cool stories, get great ideas for the podcast and have more fun. And so the the, it, the more the merrier when it comes to the Patreon community. And so please come visit us. Othersidepodcast.com slash donate is your way to get on that Patreon community, hang out with us and get cool stuff like a copy of the new album, The Wonders of the Invisible World Patreon. That's right. On their way. Yes, and also, we want to thank Dr. Ned. We saw Dr. Ned. Uh, he is at the Patreon level where we give him a shout out every single week. And then we got to party with him on Friday yeah. the 13th in Madison. Yeah, Ned, thanks for coming to the concert. Always great to see you. He was rocking out with everybody at Ruby Lounge. Hell yeah, he was. And we'd love to see more of our Patreons in that person. so cool. And so... So we'll be we'll be coming to your, your all your areas eventually, and so we're looking forward to that. But if you guys have been part of that community, that is the community of number one, the most badass humans on the planet. <laughs> but number two, it's the people that help make see you on the other side happen. And we think you guys are great, and we want to thank you for that support. And if you guys aren't part of it, would like to be, come on down, OthersidePodcast.com/slash/donate and join in. I freaked out, man. I I freaked because I was surrounded by aliens.